Father, you are a gracious God. And Lord, some of us have come in here with an attitude that's less than endearing to you. We just got into a fight with our spouse. Somebody just cut us off. The train came late. We were supposed to meet someone that didn't show up. Whatever it is, oh God, I pray that you would be a comfort. There are others, Lord, who are going to watch this uh, on a podcast and a vodcast, listen to it on a podcast or watch it on a vodcast. Father, I pray that you would meet them right where they're at, whether they're listening to it um, on a run, in their car, in their office, at their home, um, even in this congregation. Oh, God, I pray that you would touch their hearts. I pray that you would move in a powerful way in this congregation. Touch our hearts. Touch our minds. Help us to be completely and utterly devoted to you. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that you would draw others to yourself. That, Lord, if others find me offensive, that when they find your word offensive, that they would examine themselves and seek your face. That they would be broken before you and that you would be raised up as king. Father, I pray that I would just speak your word and that you you would be glorified and that that would be uh, the predominant theme uh, of today's talk your glorification. Help us, O God, to hear your word, to receive it, and better than that, to do it. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in the last series of um, Judgmental. Now, very briefly, in this series, it's been really, really wild. What we've been saying, and most, by the way, most of the series has been talking to the person who sits in this chair, who's judging others. And there's a, there's a, a, a a belief system that the world has. And here's the belief system. The belief system is you should never judge anyone. And we said, no, that's just not true. That the Bible says differently. That there are times, and the fact is, is if you're here, especially if you're here for the first time, you hear that statement and you recoil from it. But the fact is you judge people all the time for good or ill. A guy comes, drives by you while you're walking down the street, right? He's, you see a bloody knife next to his, uh, uh, you know, on the passenger seat. He says, hey, come on, you want a ride? You see his eyes are all glazed over. You make a judgment call, don't you? You go, hmm, perhaps not the best thing is to get into this car, right? Maybe, maybe you... Um, Maybe you uh, walk around in the street and you see somebody and you go, oh, wow, that looks, you know, that dressing, you know, that, that person, the way they're dressed looks really inappropriate, right? You know, have you ever seen like a, uh, a 55-year-old woman who perhaps has seen leaner days try to dress like she did when she was 20 years old? It's uncomfortable to watch these things. Spandex, 55-year-old women, do not mix, all right? Can we all agree on that? Okay. So... Right, you make judgment. Now, some of those things are innocent. And some of those things are, you know, some of those judgment calls are innocent and they're not going to bother anybody and it's no big deal. It's when we make very serious, and this is what we've been talking about, very serious judgment calls on people. And, and the world will tell you, never judge. Never judge. You never are to judge somebody else. And the Bible says, no, no, no. And you go, uh-uh, but didn't Jesus say, never judge anybody? In fact, didn't Jesus say, Judge not, lest you be judged. And we would go, you, you missed the whole first week of the series. Because that's exactly what we talked about. And if you just read three lines later, 
he speaks about uh, the way we should judge. And that if, in fact, we are to judge, there's certain things that we're to do. And we've been talking about this for the last three weeks. So let me see if you'll remember this. That the first thing we're to do when we, uh, uh, when we feel like someone is doing something, right? They're in the judgment seat, right? When someone is doing something that we need to confront, they're sinning, they're destroying their life, they're hurting themselves. We, need to, it, it, we know God hates what they're doing. We hate what they're doing. And so we're going to go up to them and confront them and judge them, right? The first thing we're supposed to do is look in the mirror. Absolutely. We're going to look in the mirror. We're going to look at ourselves. What is it in me that I don't like in them? Right? What is it in me that makes me hit? Some of you will have to do that right now because you're judging me. What is it about that guy that I'm judging? And now you feel uncomfortable because you're busted. I understand. I understand. You have to ask yourself, what is it that I'm judging him on? That God wants to point out in my own heart. It's a tough one. Before we mention anything to the person that we're judging. The first thing we got to look. And that's because the world just judges without looking here first. And so you go, but God, they're hurting themselves. God says, I know. But God, don't you hate what they're doing? I know. So what should I do? Look in the mirror. But God, don't you see? They're going to destroy their children. Like, you know, you got to confront somebody with how they're raising their children. Maybe they're doing a spoiled thing. Maybe they're doing an abusive thing. I don't know. And so you go, but God, don't you see? Their children are going to go and mess up. What's the, what do you want me to do? I want you to look in the mirror. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I wonder if you remember. After we look in the mirror, what do we do? We deal with the sin in our lives or the plank in our eye, right? We said, it's silly to have a plank in your eye. And this is what Jesus was talking about, right? We said, judge us, you be judged, right? You, you know, um, you hypocrite. Um, first, right? And why do you say first? When you say anything, why do you say first? Because there's always going to be a second, right? Jesus says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to deal with the speck in your brother's eye, right? Because it's, it's silly, it's silly for me to go to, to the person I'm judging and go, dude, look at the speck in your eye. It's embarrassing. You got to take care of that, man. That's crazy. You look silly. You're embarrassing me. Get that speck out of your eye. It's, how silly does that look, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Jesus says, ah, ah, ah. First look in the mirror. Deal with the sin. Deal with the sin. Ask, now watch this, and, and the Bible doesn't say that you should deal with the sin. The Bible says that we ask God to deal with the sin. We ask God, address the plank in my eye, right? That's the second thing. The third thing was then we help the brother or the sister with the speck in their eye. Remember that, right? Then we go over and help, and we've been talking for the last, the first week, we just laid out this whole idea about thinking differently on being judgmental. That yes, there are times where we must, that, that we must be judgmental. That we must make a judgment. If we don't, we're doing our friends a disservice. We're doing the people that we love a disservice. If your daughter is coming home with alcohol on her breath and you do not judge that, you're being a bad mom. Can I just say that? You're being a bad dad if you're giving, you know, if your daughter, uh, if your son lets condom slip, like his condom slip out of your son's pocket and you don't address that, just being a bad pop. You're just, you're just, you're just not being the good dad, right? We've got to judge that. 
And there are people that we love. Now, so the first week, we just laid out that. The second week, and I'm, I can't go through the whole series, so we're just going to do this quickly if you want to know. Now, you can get our, our sermons on podcast, and you can even vodcast them. That means you can even watch them, which is very scary for me because that means that these words will last forever, which makes me nervous. And so, uh, but you can watch them or listen to them, put them in your podcast or your, any year, uh, uh, on your iPod or your MP3 player or whatever. Okay, and by the way, we did that so you could send them to your friends so that they could hear God's word and be hungry and then want to come to Christ. Okay, so the second week, we went into like 501, Christianity 501, right? First week was 101, second week was Christianity 501. And we said that if you call yourself a Christian and we agree to the same standard, we all agree to the same standard, and you rebellious, rebelliously uh, uh, turn your heart away from doing God's will, if you do that, then in the church, after we confront you, then after you, you know, and if you don't agree with that, and then we come with a, a brother or a sister, then we come with the church, and then we come with others, and if you refuse to, to change your sin, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you, and we talked about that for like 45 minutes, about the difference. We said this, that you should be cast out. That you shouldn't enjoy the beauty and the comfort of fellowship while you're living with Satan. We said that it's that most of us, right? Anybody here, and don't raise your hand because I don't want to break your anonymity, but watch this. Isn't it true that some of you guys used for 20 and 30 years? And then when you tell your story about, you know, when you got clean, isn't it true that your story goes something like this? My mother stopped letting me in the house. After stealing her VCR for the 37th time, she didn't let me in the house. And it was only a year after that that I got clean. Well, your mom could have spared you 20, 30 years if she hadn't been codependent. If she hadn't just kept on helping you hurt yourself, right? So what we said is that the Bible says that it's better for you to hurt severely and briefly. Severely and briefly. I would much rather you suffer Six months, very severely, than for you to suffer for 20 years, a little bit at a time, because I'm taking away your consequences. It's not the church, uh, the church's job to take away your con consequences when you're living in rebellion. I'm not talking about the cat who, you know, had a one-night stand. You know, he was on a hotel. The woman, she had a one-night stand. She feels terrible about it. And now she's coming back to her husband, and she's coming back for counseling. That person, we love, we help. I'm talking about the person that says, no, this is not sin. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to act. No, we're not doing that. We're not going to let a guy leave his wife, come into this church with his girlfriend while his wife is sitting there and he's sitting there. No, that guy repents from his sin, repents, or we don't allow him in the room. And, and, and we agree on that, right? Right? If we, if we go to, like, is that okay? Like, I mean, can, can we just all agree and just say amen? That it's not okay? That's not okay for that to exist, right? And that if, um, and that if someone comes into this church and says, especially this church, right? And comes in and go, cracks open a beer and says, cheers, pastor, great sermon, and starts drinking in front. Maybe we shouldn't let that person, unless they repent. Unless they turn from the sin. Why would we do that? Why? Because we got to love others enough to protect them from an evildoer. 
And in America, we just don't believe in it. No, you're being, aren't you being judgmental? Yes. That's the point. We can be judgmental. Again, first, look in the mirror. Second, everything we've said this entire series has fallen into the, within the, the context of these three ideas. First, we look in the mirror. Second, we ask God to deal with our sin. Third, we help the brother or sister with the speck in their eye. And last week, we talk about sometimes um, being judgmental is the most loving thing you can do. That it's the absolute most loving thing you can do. That, and remember, I shared you the, the quote that Ray shared with me, which I thought was brilliant. He said, I don't walk anyone to the gallows anymore. I won't walk someone to the... I'm not going to go like that. I'm not going to walk with my friend, and he's cheating on his wife. I'm not going to go, oh, man... Yeah, I guess your wife is not giving you what you need. Well, you got to get it somewhere. You only No, I don't do that. And, and you shouldn't either. And, can we all agree on that? Because sometimes I worry about us, right? Can we all just agree that that's true and that's good and that's right and that God doesn't want us to co-sign people's nonsense, right? And we said last week, the most loving thing you can do is judge someone. Now, this week, this week I wrestled mightily with God about this week's sermon, because I didn't think, I, th- I thought that everybody who hears this is going to take it out of context. And that what you're going to do is you're going to use it as ammunition. Well, Pastor Edwin said, and, you know, you're going to use it as ammunition. And there are some, some demonically inspired people here who do exactly that. No kidding. You might be sitting next to one. You might be one. Okay? Demonically inspired people, Right? Yeah, if you're feeling uncomfortable, then... <laughs> All right. And so, demonically inspired people who hear the word of God, and this, is, this can't be any of you, but would you believe that they use it to further their own selfish ideas and causes? Now, it's not of you, but I'm saying, there are actually some people here who do... It's amazing. And so I wrestled with God about this particular sermon because I know that people will want to use it. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Sitting in this seat. How should you react? Because the truth is, sometimes, and we've been talking for the last three weeks about sitting in that seat, about judging others and all that other stuff. But here's the question. What happens when you're unjustly accused? What happens when you're sitting in this chair, right? You know, you, you, you're in the supermarket. Your kid freaks out. You, you know, because of something that you didn't get him, you lift him up and you spank his hand. This is not cool. Four-year-old throwing themselves on the floor. No, you, that's not appropriate behavior. Someone walks around the aisle, just sees you spank in their hand, and they judge you, and they label you, and they, and they, you know, and you know them. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? When you're sitting in this chair, because every one of us will sit in this chair Listen to me, unjustly. People, oh man, if you follow Jesus, people will accuse you, malign you, speak evil words against you. People will harm you and believe false things about you, spread rumors about you. And this is, listen, falsely accused. If you're rightly accused, right, if you are sinning, we said how you respond, right? In humility. 
We, remember what we said last week? If we sit in this chair and we're being accused, we need to say, I've sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. Watch this. But I'm talking about what happens when you're falsely accused. When there's no substance to what they're saying. When what they're saying is not true. You know, that was true at one time, but I haven't used in 14 years. Or I haven't used in three years. What do you do? What do you do? It's tough, right? Because some of you right now are sitting in this chair. You're a husband. And, and maybe you went outside your marriage one time. Maybe you did it a couple of times. And Jesus touched your heart. By the way, as you're listening to this message, I do not want you to look at the person next to you, especially if you're married, okay? Can we all agree on that? This is not, this is not a sermon for the person sitting next to you. This is a sermon for the person sitting in your seat, okay? So folk, let the God focus on your heart, all right? What happens? You haven't, and it's been five years, you've gone to counseling, and she still, she still doesn't believe that the reason that you were 30 minutes late was because you were in traffic. What do you do? But I'm not doing anything, you cry out. But I'm not acting out. I know that was, and I feel terrible about it. It was a terrible sin. What do you do? It's a tough one. Because you're sitting in this chair. What, what about if you're a student? What if you're a young person? And your teacher just has you pegged. And you found Jesus and you're trying to do your homework and you're, and you're going to school and you're doing everything that you got. And your teacher just has you pegged and says, you know what? You just, you know, why don't you just quit the class? Why don't you, you know what? You got, you're the only one with your hand up. He won't pick you. You've been judged, and it's false. It's not you, and it's not you anymore. You know, what happens when you're the wife that sits here and your husband wants to call you 38 times a day to make sure where you are and wants to ask you 60 questions about why you're talking to that guy and giving him directions? What do you do? What do you do? It's terrible. This is the most uncomfortable place in the world. Because you cry out, I'm not guilty. I didn't do it. I want to reiterate that I'm talking to the person who's falsely accused. Not to the person who's rightly accused. Listen, if you finish, you know, if you're clean for a week... And your wife still has trouble trusting you with the rent money? Don't be surprised, okay? Can, can we just agree that if you've been using for 20 years, and, and it takes longer than a week to get over that, okay? I'm talking about it's not you. It's been a decade or more. It's been, you know, this is not your story. You've gone to counseling. What do you do? Well, there's, there's two responses that people generally have when they sit in this chair. And the nightmare is... You can't sit in this chair for too long. Because if you sit in this chair, the accused chair, there's two responses that you'll have. Two. And they all flow out of bitterness. The first one is that you become what the person says you are. Isn't it true that some of you were growing up and some of your friends, families, teachers, maybe your father, maybe your mom, said, you know what? You ain't nothing. You ain't never going to be nothing. You ain't never going to amount to nothing. You nothing. 
And you, you did just that. It was, a, it was like a prophecy that was declared in your life. And you lived it out. You know what? You're just going to be a drunk like your papa. And you heard that over. And you said, you know, I'm not going to. And as a small child, you said to this, they're not going to get me. I remember saying this to myself. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. You're not. I, I remember saying that to myself. And I became the very thing that they accused me of doing. And it wasn't me. I mean, it wasn't me. There's two responses that you have. One is bitterness. And one flows, they both flow out of bitterness. But one is bitterness and you become, you cut your nose off to spite your face. It's the woman who for four years has been loyal and faithful. The woman who's honored God and honored her husband. Who every day has to account for her time every minute and has to explain for 45 minutes why a, why a wrong number came to the house. Or, or, or why there was a number that the husband picked up and then they hung up and said, why, why are they hung it up, hanging up? And you're like, I don't know. And, and, then, and it's a 45 minute fight. And then she just gets so, so tired. She just goes, you know what? If I'm going to get accused, I wonder if you can finish that thought. I might as well just do it. If I, you know, if you're going to, if this is, if, if this is what living righteously looks like, I might as well. Right? Now, some of you will hear that and go, you see, now that's why I just cheated on my wife or that's why I just cheated on my husband. I tell you, I got to give so many disclaimers to this message. I'm so nervous about this message. Listen, I'm not giving you and it's never OK to sin. I'm just telling you what happens when you sit in the seat for too long. It's sin. It's evil. It's judged as gross and it deserves hell. It's awful. Not an excuse. I'm just saying that when you sit in this seat too long, you become bitter and you have two options in your bitterness. Either to become like what they're accusing you of or to become like the accuser. Some of you have swore you're never going to be like your mother. And you know, you spit an image. you just like her. You, some of y'all swore... You're never going to be like your father. And I tell you, I can't tell you apart. What happens? You sat in this seat so long. You were accused so long that all you do every day is now sit in the judge's seat falsely accusing others. Oh, well, they're not my friend. If they were my friend, they would have. Well, then, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. Then what do you do? What do you do? If you can't sit here too long and it's out of your control to stop people from judging you, what do you do? Okay, I'm going to give you the solution right now and none of you are going to like it. I'm just, uh, just going to tell you, it's not going to be popular. I just want to warn you about that. Okay, And you're going to have a ton of questions. I need you to hear out the rest of this sermon. If you'll promise to listen to me, I'll give you the solution right now. Will you promise to listen to the rest of this sermon? Man, only 10 of you will promise to listen. Will the rest of y'all? 
Oh, my. Here it is. You ready? You got to forgive them. You got to forgive them. And now 50,000 ideas come into your head. But, but if I forgive them, it'll be like an excuse for them to do it again. If I forgive them, then it'll be like I actually sinned. And I didn't sin. If I forgive... Listen to me. If you sit in this chair for too long... Listen, listen. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. It's not okay. It doesn't feel good. It is, but listen to me. You only have three options. You can either become, because I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over again. You don't even have to listen to the sermon. All you got to do is watch your own life. And there's only three options. One flows out of bitterness and the other one flows out of God's word. You can either become what they're accusing you of, become like your accuser, or here's a bright idea. Hey, listen to me. You can forgive them. You can forgive them. There was a, a, a man that we're going to look at in the Old Testament who chose the last option. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 24. This is going to be, for some of you, is going to be life-changing because some of you, listen to me, some of you are, you're 42. You're 42 and you're living out what they accused you of at six years old. You're going to be just like your mother. You're going to be just like your father. And you're living it out. And I'm going to free you today. I'm not going to free you. God's word is going to free you. And God's spirit is going to free you today. You don't have to be a slave to that anymore. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now, if, you're, if you've been coming around, bring your Bibles to church. It's just a good idea. Would you bring your Bibles to church just make a commitment to bring your Bibles to church, right? Secondly, if you're new, we love you. And we're so glad you're here. We're going to have the uh, verses up on the screen. They're for the new people. If you've been coming around, they're not for you, you bunch of lazy bums. Bring your Bible. Okay. Okay. Now, what you've just heard, you've heard as George beautifully read the scriptures. And he read the entire chapter. We're going to jump from that entire chapter to verse 8. Now, once you get there, I want you to put your finger on there, but I want you to listen to me so I can give you some background. Here's what's happening. All right. So now there's this guy who enters the scene in the Bible. He's not known by anybody. He's not famous. He's, not, he's just an anonymous dude. His name is David. David, we talked about last week. Does anybody remember? Right? After David was king. This is before David became king. And it's fascinating. David, there's another king, the first king of Israel. Does anybody know who, what the name of the first king of Israel was? Saul. That's right. Saul was the first king of Israel. And David came on the scene as a musician, a harpist. He played for Saul. And a warrior. He was also a general for Saul. First thing, one of the first mighty acts that David did that was just amazing, that made everybody just kind of like, wow, was that he slayed an uh, impossible foe. His name was Goliath. Goliath was an impossible to beat guy, and David slayed him. Well, David was a part of Saul's army, and not just part of his army, part of his inner circle. He was one of the guys who was supposed to take care. He was one of Saul's generals. What happened? As one of Saul's generals, 
Saul, David would go out and he wanted to marry. Uh, Saul gave a, 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 what did he give? He gave a, a reward for anyone who would defeat the Philistines. If you come back with 100, you're ready for this? This is wild. You got to read your Bible. Your Bible's excited. If you come back with 104 skins, 104 skins from the Philistines, 100 Philistine foreskins, you could come back. Imagine collecting those. And, or don't, or don't. Wrong, wrong statement. Sorry, wrong crowd. Um, don't imagine that. Um, 100 Philistine foreskins. So you have to kill them, and then you have to circumcise them. Because they're not going to let you do that while they're alive. Um, obviously. He would get Saul's daughter. So now, David has married. He did that. He actually did that. Killed a hundred Philistines. Came back. Brought a bucket of stuff. And brought it to Saul. And he married his daughter. Now watch this. Something started to happen in Saul's heart. A jealousy started to grow. A jealousy that could not be contained. So David is playing the harp one day and Saul is looking at him and he's just going, look at him, look at him. He just wants my kingdom. He just wants, he's sitting and Saul is sitting in the judgment seat and he's saying, he, look at him, playing the harp, trying to win so many battles. You know why? He just wants my kingdom. He just, he's, he's looking for an opportunity to destroy me. Now, as usually is, the devil will complement thoughts like that with demonic people. Have you ever had that? You know, she's just after your man. You know, he's just after, and then, the, you know, you got friends who come over and just say demonic stuff, right? Yeah. And so he had that. He had demonic people come over. And yeah, David just wants, you know, and they were just in it for themselves. They just wanted what they wanted. Yeah, yeah. So David is playing the harp one day, and he's playing it for Saul's uh, benefit. He's doing it for Saul. So he's playing the harp and he just can't take it anymore. He picks up a, uh, like a, oh gosh, I forgot the name of it, uh, a spear. Thank you. See, we do this together. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so he picks up a spear and chucks it. Saul is an incredible, he's a warrior. Saul is no joke. He also stands head and shoulders above everybody else. In other words, the dude is at least six foot five. He's a tall dude. He takes a spear with all his strength and all his skill, and he and it comes just misses David. It was by the grace of God. And he pins it up against the wall. David sees that and has an incredibly wisdom-filled, discerning moment. He goes, Oh my goodness, <laughs> I think Saul's trying to kill me. You think? <laughs> <laughs> so he does what any spiritual dude does, right? He, listen, what do you do? What do you do when someone chucks a spear at you? What do you do when someone throws? When, what do you do when someone accuses you and throws it? Everybody knows what you do when you got a spear chucked at you, right? You take that sucker out and you throw it right back. Everybody knows that, right? And so you talk bad about them, and they talk bad about you, and I'm not her friend. Why? Because she don't like me. And you do that whole high school thing. 
Everybody knows you do that, right? If you talk bad about, what do you do? You talk bad about them. Everybody knows you take the spear around, you chuck it right back at them. If they gossip about you, you gossip about them. If they hurt you, you hurt them. Everybody knows that. David is a warrior, and he could have got up and ran for his life. Wise move. He ran because he wasn't going to sink down to the level of those accusing him. You know what would have happened if he'd have sunk down to the level? Guess what all the little demonic friends would have said? You see? You see? And some of you have been playing that game for years with people who have accused you. And then other people, you just give your enemies fuel to say, you see? You see, you did come out like your father. You did come out like your mother. You see, I knew you were going to cheat on me. You see, I knew you would relapse. You see, you see, take the spear out and chuck it back. David didn't do that. David ran for his life. He was pursued by Saul, not for a day, not for a month, not for a year, not for 10 years, over a dozen years, wrongly accused. He sat in this chair for over a dozen years. What do you do? What do you do when you sit in this chair? We'll find out what David does. One day, as David is in a cave, Saul is looking for him because he's trying to kill him. Saul is trying to crack an, uh, crack an egg with a sledgehammer. David only has a couple of hundred men. Saul brings 3,000. And it, the Bible says choice men. In the very first verse of this chapter, if you were listening to George Reed. Choice men. He got the best warriors. 3,000. That's over three to one ratio. He's going to destroy David. Well, by God's grace... God puts it in Saul that he has to go to the bathroom. God even controls bowel movements. Do you understand that? God is awesome. Think I'm kidding, right? God is in control of everything. I love that. Saul goes into the cave. There's a cave. Oh, and look, how convenient. There's a cave. God controls when you want to go to the bathroom. And God controls who's in the cave before you get there. That's not something you can plan out. It's the grace of God. Saul puts his robe, because obviously he has these beautifully ornamented robes. He throws his robe because he doesn't want to soil them. And then he comes to the side. And, you know, he gets ready to relieve himself. All of David, this is what Saul doesn't know. All of David's men are in the cave. Saul is by himself because no one takes people to go. Only women do that, Right? Like, go to the bathroom. Oh, sweetie, I'm going to the bathroom. You want to come with me? I'm like, Ew. Why would you want to go to the bathroom with somebody? I still haven't figured that out. Men don't do this, right? Even if you're a king looking for a dude, you don't, you, it's weird when a dude says, Yo, you want to come to the bathroom with me? No! Uh, so now you understand why Saul's by himself. And he's by himself, so he doesn't have his guard or anything like that. 
And so he's by himself and he's, he's relieving himself. David, and they, everybody around David, everybody around David, see, here's your chance, here's your chance, go get him, here's your chance, here's your chance, go get him, here's your chance. This is, and they even got spiritual on him. This is what God said through his prophet who said, he will deliver Saul into your hands. Has anybody ever led you astray with a scripture? And so David creeps up on Saul because David can do that kind of thing. He's a warrior. He's a murderer. He's a killer. He's like, he's no joke. And he comes up and he gets close, as close as the robe. And Saul is relieving himself. And David takes a little piece of his robe, cuts it. After he cuts it, he feels grieved. And so he goes back to his men. The reason is because he just, he just embarrassed the king. And he's, it, it's, it really isn't him. He really doesn't want, he really doesn't mean the king harm. It's, his heart is pure. And that's who I'm talking to today. I'm talking, it's really not you. You really don't have a relapse. You're not really in relapse mode. You're not really. In, some of y'all are, and you need people to confront you. But you're really not, you know, I, I really don't. And some of you all are players and you look at women like they're pieces of meat. And there's a good reason why your wife confronts you on stuff. You know, so, you know I, 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 he really has a pure heart, David does. It's not him. And so he cuts the robe and he feels broken and he, he goes back to his men. A couple of hundred guys. And he stands up to all of them. Because the reason that they're in the cave is because of David. And if David just kills this dude, there's no more problems. So their cave dwelling days are over. So they come on, we got to do it. And David's like, no. Even with his friends, he has to get strong. And he commands them. He says, over my dead body in essence. His men back down. Saul goes. And that's where we pick up our hero. As Saul leaves the cave, David comes out of the cave. Isn't this exciting? Isn't God's word just incredible? You can learn so much. Read God's word every day. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, let's jump down to verse 8. I know that you have on your sermon maps one through the entire chapter. Just jump down to verse 8. For... Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the King! When Saul looked behind him, David, listen to this. Everybody read the, the rest of this verse with me. David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Just because she's disrespectful to me, I don't have to be disrespectful to her. Just because she accuses me, I don't have to accuse you, her. Just because she's trying to hurt me, I can still be honorable. Some of you marriages got to learn this one. Just because she cheated on me, doesn't mean. He goes down on his face. He has reverence. Because again, he's innocent. It's not in his heart. To go against Saul. Verse 9. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? Verse 10. This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift up my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. Look up at me. When you're accused, you will have people. Listen to me. You sit in this chair long enough and people will join you. 
they'll join you. They'll sit right next to you. Listen, you need to just. You need to just. Your boss is accusing you of laziness. Well, then you need to just get over. Your, your spouse is accusing you of influence. Well, then you need to just get over. Your parent is, well, you just need to. You know what you need to do? You need to rebel on your parent. That's what you need to do. And people, you'll get friends, even family members, to co-sign your nonsense. What do you do? Listen, listen. You forgive. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. But if I forgive them, it'll give them an excuse to do it again. They'll never change. Listen to me. They will ne- they, you'll only confirm what they believe about you. If you fight back, if you argue, if you chuck spears back and forth. He didn't do that. Let's go to verse 11. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you. But you are hunting me down to take my life. Verse 12. May the Lord judge between you and me. Look up at me. And David hit the nail on the head. How can you forgive the person who's, pers- who's lying about you? Who's, I, I remember, oh my gosh. I remember this person, a land, um, like a landlord. And they were accusing my family of destroying their apartment. And we all lived on the same block, so it was very embarrassing, you know. And so we just, you know, it just got really, really intense. And I, I, I just decided, this is crazy. We're just going to move out of here. And so we, as we were moving out, have you, has anyone here ever moved out? Right. Let me ask you something. When you're moving out of an apartment to another, in transition, is your house immaculate or a mess? A mess because you have boxes, you got plates out, you got things all over. This landlord opened the door, took pictures of the apartment in mid-move while we were moving out, and shared it with everyone to embarrass us. And to get all of them on her, on their side. What do you do? What do you do? Do you take her to court for, you know, some of you might do that. And that's, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I don't know. What do I do? I'm the guy who can't sleep at night when this stuff happens. I don't know about you, but I can't stop thinking. I lay awake at night. For lies that people talk about me. Are you the same way? But you don't understand. They're saying this about me. I just. I, I just think about it. And then. I play it out in my head. And violent and harmful images come to my mind. And I have arguments in my head. Which by the way. I never lose. Have you ever lost an argument in your head? I always win the arguments in my head. I love that. Then I get violent thoughts and it gets out of hand. Lord, you judge between her and me. I, I'm going to forgive her, but you judge between her and me. If I'm wrong, Lord, you convict me. 
Jesus, if I've sinned against you, you convict me. If I've, if I've wronged her, if I've done things that were not of you, Lord Jesus, if, if I've wronged, you convict me. But you judge between her and me. That's how we start the process of forgiving them. We start to pray for them. Because left to your imagination, it gets worse and uglier and more painful and more gross and more hurtful and more difficult. Left to our own imagination, we sink deeper and deeper and deeper into our bitterness. And then listen, one day they'll be out of our lives. That boyfriend, that girlfriend, they're out of our lives. And we'll be married. And we'll be wondering why we're so angry. Have you ever acted out and go, gosh, why did I get so strong? Why did I respond so strongly? Because there's still someone who's pulling the strings in your life. There's still someone you've fallen to this sin with. You haven't forgiven them. you got to forgive them. Did an ex-boyfriend cheat on you? Is that why you're accusing your, your now your husband? Was it an ex-wife or an ex-husband, uh, an ex-husband uh, uh, or an ex-girlfriend? Listen, listen. It's why. Got to forgive them. No, but they need to pay. Listen to me. If they came to you today, knocked on your door, and said, "Hey, how can I, how can I pay for this wrongdoing that I've done to you? I, I, I've, I've, I've come to Christ. I repent. I want, I want to, I want to turn away from this wrongdoing. How can I turn away from it? How can I make it up to you? You know what you would say?" I've never even thought of that. It's never, I've only focused on hating you. And then when you started to think about it, there's nothing you can do. You can't give me back my first marriage. You can't give me back my teenage years. You can't give me my virginity back. You can't give me my reputation back. You can't give me my, you can't. God says, I got an idea. Why don't you just forgive him then? Since you can't make, since they, even if they wanted to, they couldn't pay you back. God says, why don't you just forgive them? Lord, may the Lord judge between us. But doesn't that let them off the hook? No, no, no. It lets you off the hook. Let's keep on reading. Verse 12. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. You know what? God, you judge between us. And God, if they're wrong, you get them. But I will not raise my hand. I will not stay up nights. I will not spend hours plotting. My revenge. I won't do it. As the old saying goes, verse 13, as the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Do you see that? If you're innocent, if you're innocent, you won't do evil deeds. But if you're evil and you're guilty, if there's sin in your heart, then of course you'll go out. Of course you'll do what they called you to do. Of course you'll be like they were. From evil, 
evildoers come evil deeds. Verse 14. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? What is he doing? He's reminding them of his relationship with them. You can do this with your, but I'm your daughter. I'm your, listen, I'm your spouse, I'm your wife. I'm your son. Papa, I'm your, I'm your kid. I'm your husband. I'm not your ex-boyfriend. I'm your, and again, I'm not speaking to you demonically minded people who have reservations and give excuses for others to mistrust you. I'm talking about those who really don't have this in their heart. Verse 14, against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? Verse 15, may the Lord be our judge. There it says, he says it again. May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. Did you hear that? May may the Lord uphold my reputation. In that block, may the Lord uphold my reputation. I'm not going to go back to every person on the block who I was ministering to you for years, who knew I was a pastor, who knew that I loved Jesus and saw as some kind of Christian. No, 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 no. May the Lord protect my, my reputation. May the Lord protect my life. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. Lord, save me. So what do you do if you're here? It's a risk. Guys, if you stay here for too long, two things will happen. You'll become bitter, and that bitterness will flow out of two ways. One, you'll become like they accused you to be, or you'll become like the accuser. There's a way out of this chair. And I bet you know what it is. It's forgiveness. How do you do that? You start praying for them. Every time the, what they did to you, what they accused you of, they say, this is what I, I started to do this in every area of my life. Didn't matter if it was marriage or friends with my kids. If they accused I just started to pray for them. I started to pray for them. Had a guy at my job, and he just, he used to take credit for my work, and he used to try to get um, me fired and do all this stuff. And I just got so angry because, you know, my, I feed my family this way. And I just so got so mad. And I remember I called someone who was more spiritual than me. And I said, I'm just, I just get so angry. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to break his neck. Like, I'm gonna, honestly, I would have, I don't know if you're like me. I had fantasy because there was a dark alleyway where people parked. And I was going to go there, like, you know, dressed up in the ski mask. So you didn't notice me. And I was going to break a kneecap. I was going to bring a bat, and it was just going to be one swing, and I was going to shatter a kneecap. And then every time he took credit for something that I did, I would smile watching him limp. Because, no, I win. I'll have this job. That's how demonic I am. And, and, you know, is anybody else like that? Am I the only one, right? And so, like, I'm just, that, that was that was, was going on. And some of y'all are laughing because some of y'all are just that way. I could see y'all, right? And some of y'all, some of y'all just got a bright idea. No! Don't do that. And so listen. And so I called this guy up and he said, Edwin, you know what you need to do? Every time you think of this guy, pray for him. I tell you, if he was next to me, I'd have punched him in the face. It was so, it was like he didn't understand what I was going through. It was like he didn't understand how hurt I was. 
But I took a suggestion. Miracle of miracles. You know that guy never changed. The guy that I, you know what I did? I did. No longer was it going to church, uh, going to work and my stomach flipping. No longer was it in work and every time I hear his voice, my blood curdling. No longer was it like that. At the end, with, even while he accused me, what, a month before I left that job, I was playing handball with him. Did he stop talking about me? No. We were playing handball in, in uh, lunchtime. Did he stop uh, lying about me? No. I forgave him. And I didn't have to defend myself. And I was able. God gave me. Just so happened. Once I did that, and, and I don't want you to say, well, once you forgive somebody, something better will happen. I just despise that American Christianity. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there was a lesson that was deeply learned there. And God saw fit to only leave me there for a couple of more years after he was accusing me. And then he gave me a much better job paying about double what I was making. And I was able to go. And I never had to defend myself. I never had to argue. I never had to go back. I never had to say, yeah, but he was. I never had to take the spear out of the wall and chuck it back. Listen to me. You don't have to either. You, don't, you can forgive. And the reason I know you can do this, and you go, no, I can't do it. Listen, the reason I know, I'm not talking about tolerating people. This is what you've been doing your whole life. You can stand all you can stand, and then you can't stand no more. And then you have your can of whoop butt, and then you go over and, and, and attack the person, right? That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about tolerating. I'm talking about genuinely praying and genuinely releasing them from their I don't want you to sit in this seat. I don't want you to. Listen, the reason I know that you can do this, listen to me, this is the most important part of the talk, is because there was one, and before he was recognized as king, was falsely accused. And he was lied about and maligned. And before they put a crown of kingship on his head, they put a crown of thorns. And before he sat on a crown, he laid on a cross. Before he sat on a throne, he laid on a cross. And this king would take beatings and spittings and would be made fun of. And this king, who was not recognized as king, would take abuse and scorn by the very people who on Palm Sunday were throwing palms at his feet, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! The very people who loved him were the very people who were saying, Crucify him! The reason you can is because Jesus already did it for you. And if you're in Christ, he'll do it in you. He's had a lot of practice. And Jesus can regenerate your heart so that before that train of evil and wrongdoings goes through your hat. Have you ever done that, right? Have you ever driven up like in a country road, right? And then the, the bell comes down and goes ding, 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 ding. And you know this like two mile long train comes and it's like, and that some of you are like that with your mind. All the evil things everyone has ever done to you. And you're like, you know, they did this, they did this, they did this, and it just goes right. And, and, and before, when you see the ding, 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 ding come down in your mind and you feel those bad memories come back, you can go, no, 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 there's another route. I'm going to reverse from here. I'm going to start praying for that person. And I'm not going to rehearse the hurt. 
Because there was one who took the hurt for real and took the beating for real. And because he did that, many are blessed. Because he did that, many are saved. Because he did that, we call him Lord and God and King. And we can come to the Lord. What could he have done? Does everybody remember what he, what he said to Peter? I could call down 10,000 angels and strike every one of you dead. Just in case you don't know, one angel defeated a quarter of a million people in an army. 10,000 would annihilate the world. I could have called down 10,000 angels. He didn't. It wasn't the nails that kept them there. It was his love for you. And he's saying, listen, I did it through you. I did it for you. Now I can do it through you. And because of his sacrifice on the cross, we can have eternal life. Listen, you're sitting there right now. And right now, the emotion that you're experiencing is Jesus tugging at your heart. And you've been, maybe it was a church. You know, maybe they just put a bunch of ton of rules on you. And they, and they accused you and you just put a little bit of lipstick on and they called you a demon and it's just like that wasn't even in your heart. Or maybe you were talking to somebody at church and you just didn't know, you just didn't know the ropes. Like right there's like all these rules and ropes that you got to learn about and all this other stuff and you didn't stand up on time or sit down in the appropriate manner. Or, or maybe you weren't dressed right and you felt judged. And they said, you know what? That's not a godly person. And you know what you did? You became what they accused you of. And you've been away from Jesus for decades. Listen to me. Listen to me. God wants you to come back. And he doesn't want you to become what they accused you of. What he wants to do is he wants to work in your heart. And as you forgive them, you can forgive them right now. He wants you. Listen. This is... this. This is the difference between being a... Listen, you can have tons of principles. Some of you live by principles, but you fall all the time because you got no power. You need Jesus. You can't do this on your own. You need Jesus. And so on this Palm Sunday, Jesus would be walking down, being hailed as king, knowing that a few days later, he'll be nailed to a cross. And at the end of that praying, what did he pray? Anybody remember? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus will do this in you. He already did it on the cross for you. He'll do it in you, and he'll do it through you. You do not have to stay in that chair. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to fight. You don't have to... Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, but he decided not to take the spear out the wall and chuck it back. He decided against that. He forgave. Because he forgave, you can forgive too. Listen, I want you to just take a couple of moments in prayer. Let's, I'm just going to be talking to you. Listen, just bow your head in prayer. I know some of you, that might feel like you're going to go to sleep because you've been sitting for a while. Keep your eyes open then. Keep your eyes open. I just, listen. Jesus is speaking to you. Right now, he's speaking to you. He's tugging on your heart. 
And you thought you could never be forgiven, but He forgave you. And you thought you could never be reconciled to God. But right now, He's going to regenerate your heart. He's going to save you. Just open your heart to Him. Confess your sins to Him now. Isn't it true that you've accused God of things that He didn't do? You blamed Him for that thing that happened when you were a kid? God said, I had nothing to do with that. Listen. Listen. God wants to touch your heart right now. Open your heart to Him. And then there are some of you who you've just been, you've just been living out the last 20, 15, I don't know how many years of your life being what others accused you of and you didn't know you were being a slave to their words. And just today it just came to you. It just hit you. I'm living as a slave to their words and I don't got to live like that. Some Some of you grew up and you weren't as masculine as the other boys and they called you all these derogatory names and you just said, you know what, if I'm going to be called, I'm just live the lifestyle. It doesn't have to be like that anymore. You don't have to live according to what... Listen, Jesus. You can, in Jesus Christ, you can forgive them. You can forgive them. You can forgive them. So I'm asking those of you who don't know Jesus to just surrender your life to Him. And I'm asking those who do know Jesus to... St- you can turn away from that sin. You can turn and forgive those people. You don't have to sit in that chair anymore anymore mm. lord speak to our hearts right now father i admit i admit this is a tough talk for me it's tough lord whenever anybody throws a spear at me i just want to chuck it back they just don't understand me they just hurt me and it just it's hard for me man it's hard Lord, would you remind me that you already did this for me on the cross? And that because you did it for me, you'll do it in me and through me? And that I don't have to work harder on forgiving others? That you'll give me the desire to pray. That you'll give me the thought to pray. That you'll give me the words to pray. And that I can pray. And I don't have to live in that hurt anymore. Father, through your Son, you've said, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, I don't want to sit in the witness stand anymore. And there are others here who've been sitting there for way too long. They've become what they've been accused of. And they've, or they've become like their accuser. Father, I pray that today would be the defining moment in their life. And that on this Palm Sunday, just like the King of the universe was reigned in glory and in celebration, coming into a town, being hailed as King and Lord of the world, Lord, I pray that this Palm Sunday, people would open up their hearts and that you would ride into their hearts as King and Lord. I pray that you remove Satan, you are rebuked, You have absolutely no room in this place. I rebuke you to hell. 
I come against, in Jesus' name, I come against you. Your works, your ideas, your plans, their effects. You and your dominion have been destroyed and defeated on the cross. And in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. Lord, free up our hearts to trust you. Free our hearts to believe you. Free our hearts to forgive those who have wrongly accused us. Set us free. For I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look up at me. Listen to me. Listen.